Well, Jesus said some pretty shocking things, but nothing was more shocking to the Jews than for Jesus to say he was the bread of life come down from heaven. They could not believe it. They knew his parents. They knew he was from Nazareth. What did he mean suggesting he had actually come down from heaven? And then, after claiming to be the true bread of heaven, he went on to say, if anyone eats of this bread, he shall live forever. Now, they weren't sure they had heard him right. He confirmed it when he continued, and the bread also which I give for the life of the world is my flesh. Now they were really confused. And the reaction is recorded in John chapter 6, verse 52. The Jews therefore begin to argue with one another, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? It sounded crazy. How could he give them his flesh to eat? And why would he? Surely, he didn't mean what he said, but he did. He continues, <laughs> Jesus therefore said to them, truly, truly I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in yourselves. Truly, truly, amen, amen, you heard it right. You must eat the flesh of the Son of Man. You must eat my flesh. If you don't, you have no life in yourselves. In effect, he was saying that if they didn't, they were zombies, nothing but living corpses. <laughs> then he took it a shocking step further. Not only must you eat my flesh, you must also drink my Blood. Now, the thought of drinking blood is gross to us, but it was an abomination to the Jews. They were forbidden from drinking or eating blood. Moses had recorded some very strong words from God himself about the eating of blood in Leviticus. He said, In any man from the house of Israel or from the aliens who sojourn among them, who eats any blood, I will set my face against that person who eats blood, and I will cut him off from among his people. For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you on the altar to make atonement for your souls. For it is the blood by reason of the life that makes atonement. Therefore I said to the sons of Israel, no person among you may eat blood. Nor may any alien who sojourns among you eat blood. So any man from the sons of Israel or from the aliens who sojourn among them in hunting catches a beast or a bird which may be eaten, he shall pour out its blood and cover it with earth. For as for the life of all flesh, its blood is identified with its life. Therefore I said to the sons of Israel, you are not to eat the blood of any flesh, for the life of all flesh 
is its blood. Whoever eats it shall be cut off. Under Old Testament law, the blood of all animals belonged to God. It was sacred. It was a symbol of life. When offerings were made, the blood was to be poured out on the altar to make atonement for their souls. And when eating animals, the blood was to be drained and poured out on the earth. The Jews wouldn't think of eating or drinking blood. But here Jesus was saying that unless we eat his flesh and drink his blood, we have no life in ourselves. That his flesh and blood is the source of life for us. And those who would find life in him must eat it. Again, that sounds crazy. Why should he say we must eat his flesh and drink his blood because it's the only true food. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day, for my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. The purpose for food is to sustain life. But the normal food we eat is of limited value. There comes a time when it will no longer work, no matter how healthy it is, even if it's organic, chemical-free, and non-GMO. There comes a time when physical food will no longer sustain life. And the only thing that will enable us to live forever is what Jesus called true food and true drink. And the only true food and drink is the flesh and blood of Jesus. Because those who eat his flesh and blood will be raised up on the last day. You know, unless Jesus comes back first, we will all experience death. But we will come back to life. And it's his flesh and blood that will make that happen. But that true food and drink must be eaten if we would be raised. Now, there's a change of words in the Greek for eat here that's very important. The word that was used in verse 53 for eat is phago, to eat, to devour, to consume. It's in the aorist or past tense and refers to something we must do once with the body and blood of Christ. We must consume it, devour it, take it into ourselves. It's an act we do once, and then it's done. But if we don't do it, we cannot live forever. That is not, however, the end of the eating. The word used in 54 and will be used in 56 and 57, is trago, to gnaw, to chew. It stresses the slow process of eating, and it's in the present tense, indicating a continual action. John is saying that we must initially consume Christ to find life, and then we must continue to partake of him 
to sustain our life, and to guarantee our resurrection. That's true because it's only as we continue eating the bread of heaven that we are abiding in Christ. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. You are what you eat. We've all heard that. That's why we're careful to eat things that are good for us uh, most of the time. I mean, who wants to be a Twinkie? What we eat becomes us in a marvelous way. It becomes the stuff our very cells are made of. In the same way, Jesus says that he who eats his flesh and drinks his blood abides in him and he in them. By continuing to partake of Jesus, we abide with him and we become one with him. We tie ourselves to him and become dependent upon him. We draw our sustenance, our very life from him, and he in turn comes to live within us. He indwells us, inhabits us, lives his life through us. You can't get any closer to anyone than that. By eating his flesh and drinking his blood, we become one with him. And he, in turn, becomes our link to the living Father. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so he who eats me, he also shall live because of me. Jesus was sent to earth by the living Father. And he was sent to earth so we could connect with the source of all life through him. And we do that by eating him. When we eat the flesh of Jesus, we partake of the life that was given to him. And that life from the living Father flows into us. It's almost like we become part of a spiritual food chain. You know, in nature, tiny organisms are eaten by larger ones, which are eaten by even larger ones, which are eaten by us. And animals eat grass, convert it to meat, and we eat the meat. The Father is the beginning of the process for everything. And for everyone, he is the source of all life. And it was God's will that Jesus take on flesh so that through him we could find life. It's through the flesh of Jesus that we tap into the original source of life. But we've got to eat that flesh. We've got to feed upon Jesus if we're to know life, real life, that will enable us to live forever. This is the bread which came down out of heaven, not as the fathers ate and died. He who eats this bread shall live forever. 
Jesus is the true bread which came down out of heaven. The true bread was not the manna. The Israelites ate miraculously given bread for 40 years while in the wilderness, and that bread, the manna, sustained them for a while. But they eventually died. Jesus is the true bread of heaven. He offers us his flesh and blood to eat, and if we do, we shall live forever. No, the Jews hadn't misunderstood. Jesus was saying that they must eat his flesh and drink his blood if they want to live. He made that very clear. But back to their question, how? How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Well, he doesn't answer their question, not really. But obviously, he didn't expect them to cannibalize him on the spot to find life. And obviously, there wouldn't be enough of him to go around if the entire world needed to eat his physical body to live. So it should be obvious, he was speaking in spiritual terms. Just as he had done when he told the woman at the well that he could give her living water. And just as he had done when he told Nicodemus... He had to be born again. He was saying that anyone who wanted to live forever would have to come to him to find life. They would have to believe he was the source of life. They would have to devour him by faith and then find their daily sustenance in him. They would have to acknowledge that their life, their eternal life, was possible only because he was willing to sacrifice his life for them. That he was willing to give up his flesh and pour out his blood to atone for their sins. So the eating and drinking of the Son of Man is a spiritual thing. But it also has a beautiful physical expression, and I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. Jesus has made it possible for us to physically eat and drink symbols of his flesh and blood, to remind us that his flesh and blood are what give us life. And he did so by instituting what we call the Lord's Supper. This is how Matthew recorded the institution of that memorial meal. And while they were eating, Jesus took some bread, and after a blessing, he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And when he had taken a cup and given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I find it interesting that John did not record the institution of the Lord's Supper. He's the only gospel writer not to do so. Could it be that he assumed we would see it right here? And 
he knew that we'd have a better appreciation for it if we visualized it as the Jews must have visualized it when Jesus first said, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in yourself. Now, that's not a warning that we must never miss a communion service. Some people apparently believe that. I remember as a kid, those who would come to church and then leave after communion, which in those days came before the sermon. Now, we don't give anyone a chance to do that here. (laughs) We end the service with the Lord's Supper. Some do feel their salvation depends on taking the Lord's Supper weekly or even daily, but that's not what Jesus is saying here. What he's saying is that we must partake of him and abide in him if we would live forever. Now, the communion service certainly helps make us aware of his presence within. And a weekly observance of the Lord's Supper is very important. But the communion doesn't save us. Jesus does. And the wine doesn't wash away our sin. The blood does. Let's remember that. And let's bathe ourselves in it spiritually as an act of communion with our Lord. Let's commit ourselves to abiding in the flesh and blood of our Savior Let's find our life in him and let's sustain our life in him. And let's remind ourselves of our commitment to do so by regularly meeting around his table and partaking of symbols of his body and blood. What he wants is for us to abide in him. And that is what we strive to do as a body of Christ. Abide with me, he says. Let's commit ourselves to doing that this morning.